Ben Paquette has such an inspiring story when it comes to pickleball. He knew the sport was going to change his life, and it certainly has as he is now a teaching pro in the Dallas, Texas area. This is a must-listen-to episode complete with some awesome tips for having intention on the court. Let's get to the intro to hear from Ben. Welcome to the Pickleball Fire Podcast, where it's all about pickleball. Today, I'd like to welcome to the Pickleball Fire Podcast, Ben Paquette. Welcome, Ben. Thank you, Lynn. It's nice to be here. I'm, I'm glad that you had me on. Well, great. I am so glad you're here today. And you're actually a fellow Texan. I spent 25 years in, in Texas, and we'll get to more of what you're doing in the Dallas area. But okay. I always do like to start off and ask you about how you first heard about pickleball and how long ago that was and the, you know how you started playing. Okay, so 2017, end of 2016, beginning of 2017, roughly, I was trying to find something to be healthy with. I was trying to get back into moving my body around, and I thought that tennis was the answer because it was a sport where you didn't have to have a team. And the busier we are, the harder it is to correlate schedules. So I thought if I could play tennis, I could just find one person and I could maybe play some tennis. And I only played one year of tennis in high school, 20 years prior, basically. And I was trying to find some tennis games and I really couldn't find people to play tennis, ironically, which was surprising. And I went into the gym in Addison, where I live in North Dallas. And after playing a game of tennis that had taken a week to set up, which was fun. I happened to be getting some water in the gym and I heard this weird knocking noise, like people were hitting something. And so I peeked my head into the gym at the rec center and there were these three older gentlemen playing what I thought was honestly miniature tennis. I'd never even seen it. I was like, what is this? And before I can even really talk to them, they just said, grab that paddle on the bench. And they just pulled me into the game because they needed a fourth. And I was like, all right, why not? So I just start, you know, hitting the ball and missing the ball. And they're like, you got to stand here. You can't hit that ball like that. You got to see the score like this. And I'm just like trying to catch up to it, but just fascinated. And 30 minutes later, they were just basically destroying me on the court. And I was like, this is crazy. How am I losing? This is crazy. And I came home after two hours of playing that with those guys when I had supposed, I was supposed to be home like two hours ago. And my girlfriend was like, where have you been? I go, I just found a sport that's going to change my life. And that was it. Wow. So tell me how has pickleball changed your life? Well, in 2017, I was a retirement uh, and insurance financial advisor for Prudential and independent companies as well. Had been doing that for roughly 17 years and I was 297 pounds. And now I'm 195. I'm four years older. I feel better than I did when I was 25. And I'm only doing that insurance retirement stuff about 20% of the time. And I'm almost full-time into pickleball. Wow. Now that's quite quite a life change. And I totally commend you for, for losing all that weight. I mean, did you did you strictly attribute that to just the time on your on the court or is pickleball um, got e you eating better or what's going on? Yeah. There? So, uh, I mean, you can really you can really say the first two years of pickleball, I just lost a little bit of weight. You know, I got 25 or so pounds. But then when I went to nationals at Indian Wells, I played uh, four or five mixed 
and did really well and, and, and won that division. And then we played 5-0 men's and didn't do so well. And I was only two years into the sport, but I was learning how quickly the game is different from, you know, geographical area to geographical area. And I asked some of the better players and some of the pros in 2019, I said, what was wrong with my game? And they said, you're smart and you have good ideas and strategy and your hands are good, but you're not very fast. And that was the brutal truth. And I, and I needed to hear it. And I said, okay, well, I got to do something about that. And then ironically, when COVID hit, everyone was, I guess, gaining weight. For some reason, I didn't. I lost weight. I, I think it was because I decided to change the way that I looked at food in order to feel better on the court. And while the diet did result in the weight loss, none of that would have happened if I didn't need to be better on the court. So I can guess the, the diet and the food and the pickleball and the need to be better were kind of like just as important as each other. And when everybody in their dog was buying all of the junk food and cleaning out the grocery stores, they seemed to forget to buy the chicken and the fish and the broccoli. And so I bought all that and it worked. <laughs> that is so amazing and awesome. I, I'm curious about one thing though. You, you mentioned you changed the way you look at food. What does that mean? Oh, for me specifically, food was a part of celebrating and a part of being stressed and a part of being bored. So food was just something I did when I was happy, sad, stressed, angry, whatever, you know? And so food was, to be honest, a crutch for me from a health standpoint. I love food, but it was also something that I just probably used too much for too many different things. And pickleball gave me some 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 satisfactions it 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 reminded me when i was younger playing sports and it was it was it was something that i that i could measure success or growth or progress with and something that i could really sink my teeth into and focus on and i do have tend to have an addictive personality and obviously if you look at time on the court is time not on the couch it's a lot harder to eat a bag of chips while you're running around on a court hitting a ball than it is sitting watching a tv show so that was one part of it. But then the need to feel better and move better and not be so sore and inflammation and all of these other things turned into learning about protein and, and hydration and, and nutrients and macros. And then it all just made so much sense. It was like, gosh, if you eat this right food and you drink the right amount of water, you're not hungry, you're not snacking, you're not inflamed and your body feels better and you perform better. So it was like, it was a no brainer. It just made so much sense. And it became, it became so easy to just do the right stuff because there were so many benefits that just slapped me in the face. Well, it's great to hear that you're feeling so well now. And one of the things I wanted to ask you about, since you mentioned it was what was your sports background? Because it sounds like you were probably a fairly competitive athlete and then you got into the working world and things changed yeah. and you gained weight. So tell me so about your background. I played every single team sport you could think of in Texas. I played soccer. I played baseball. I played basketball. I played football. Um, I played that one year tennis. And then I even played hockey. Um, hockey was actually my most favorite sport, but I played soccer for 20 years. I was a goalkeeper. and my job as a goalkeeper, obviously, was to keep the ball in front of me and have quick hands and move laterally. And you can automatically understand how someone behind the non-volley zone that moves laterally with their paddle out in front with quick hands can react well. So 
I fully believe that the soccer really helped in pickleball way more than people give it credit for as a goalkeeper. But hockey was my favorite sport, and I played that all the way through college. I ended up playing hockey at Texas Tech in Texas, even though hockey was still budding and growing as a sport in the late 90s. I'm 41 years old, but I was in high school in the 90s, and we were playing quite a bit of hockey back then. And I think between hockey and soccer, those are my best sports, but I played, like I said, football, basketball, baseball. If it was a sport, I was playing it, to be honest, from age five all the way to 25 or almost 30. You're the first person I've talked to on the podcast who really had a pretty extensive soccer background. And I know that's something I played until my knees just kind of gave out. That's interesting what you had to say about being a goalie. There would be a lot of transfer to pickleball, whereas I think if you're in other positions on the court, that's probably not so true. Yeah, yeah. It was really unique. You know, I tell people, Well, I ask people when I teach them, I say, do you play any sports? And when they say a certain sport, I try to immediately think about what they do day in and day out on that sport, how to translate it to uh, pickleball. And yeah, a forward or a defensive man or a midfielder in soccer is going to have good footwork, but their hands aren't going to help them. So I was very, very lucky to be a goalkeeper with the experience I had because the transition was just really simple. Right. It sounds like the transition for you being a goalkeeper is similar to, you know, the high level tennis players when they come in. Yeah. Yeah. I think the hands, the hands are really what, what made it easier for me and and fun. I mean, my, my hand eye coordination was really as good as it could be, you know, from a quick, short reaction time. And even the, even with the tennis players, the whole idea of out in front of your body, instead of to the side with that unit turn that tennis players have, it almost was a benefit to be a goalkeeper as opposed to a tennis player in the volley situation sometimes. Oh, good point. Good point. I, I hadn't thought about that because I, I played a lot of racquetball, open level racquetball, and there's times in racquetball where you're right up front and you've got that fast play similar to pickleball. Mm-hmm. And then there are times like when you're returning serve, you might be kind of turned like a tennis player, but yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Now, one other thing I had to ask you about before we kind of get into some more of the instructional aspects is you said something interesting about you noticed differences in play based upon, was it the geographical area that you said? Yeah. Yeah. So when I went to nationals, you know, you, you go at your rating, right? You go, you rate, you go at your rating, you play in that division and, or that, that rating and, I quickly learned when I went to Kansas and Arizona and California that a four or five in Texas is not a four or five in California. It's almost to me, and this is just my own just clarification. This is my own opinion, right? From my experiences, there could be s- such a drastic change in skill rating between geographical areas that your whole it's a whole level. You could make a case that a five zero in Texas is a four or five in California. You could make a case that a 5-0 in Oklahoma is a 4-5 in Texas in some points, you know. It's really interesting to me that the growth of the sport and the localized skill levels are, it's important to take that into consideration. And I don't know if it's because of a time situation and maybe eventually over time everything will level out or if it's a playing style. I mean, I've, some places I've noticed that People are a lot more aggressive at the net or in transition than they are in other places. There's like a, I think one time I saw a Facebook post and I kind of hit home. I was talking to some people where they were talking about the differences in the style of play. And I was trying to equate the style of play to music. 
like in California, it's like the Beach Boys song. Well, I wish they could all be California girls. And then somebody made a a, a version of pickleball's play styles like that song. And it's so true, you know, and in Kansas, it's like third shot drive and aggression to all the way to the net. And then in California, it's that soft third shot drop and that nice, easy, passive dink cross court with a setup. And then maybe somewhere else on the East Coast, it's just maybe they like to lob. So it's like play styles and skill styles are also varied from location to location that it's just it's quite an eye opener when people that play in Texas go to a tournament to another state and they're like, wow, I did really well, or I didn't do so well. And I played at the level I thought I was, but these people are just way better or they're not as good. It's just really interesting to me how it changes geographically. That is interesting. And I have not heard that from, you know, at least, at least it hasn't come up as a, as a topic in any of the other podcasts that I've done. So I appreciate that, that comment, because that was kind of interesting to delve into. Yeah, no worries. All right. Well, we talked a little bit before the podcast, and I know you've been working with quite a few beginners lately Mm -hmm. in terms of your teaching and your clinics. Tell me a little bit about what you're doing with them right now to help their game. It's so new to the the North Texas area. Pickleball is still, still, I would say, in its fledgling growth phase. We're still trying to figure out how to get courts and get places to play. And like, it's still, it's still kind of new as far as outdoor pickleball goes which means more people are playing, especially since COVID. There's been a very stark or a quick increase in the amount of new players coming in, which means a lot of new people are taking lessons. And so the number one thing lately I've been working on with my students is intention. The number one thing I hear from my students when I say, why did you hit that shot? And they were like, I'm just trying to get the ball over the net. And I usually end up saying, well, congratulations. You accomplished the goal. The ball went over the net and out of bounds or the ball went over the net and they slammed it back at you. Right. And they're like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, you actually did what you were trying to do. You were trying to get it over the net and that's all you were trying to do, but you did that. And sometimes that's just not enough. So I really try to focus on intention and specific placement of every shot with new people, because even though they're new and they're trying to learn, if you start learning this way from the beginning, I think it just shortens the learning curve. And I think that there's nothing wrong with having intention with every single shot and in specific intention over, over just intention in general, just a specific intention of where you want the ball to land, see it happening before it happens. And then that way, when that ball lands there, you are less surprised that it landed there because you intended it. And then you're more prepared for what's happening afterwards as opposed to someone that says, I want to get the ball over the net. And then when it gets over the net, now they have to recalibrate and think about what's next. Well, now they're wondering where it's going to go once it gets over the net. But if they have intention and it's successful, the bandwidth and the brain slows down. There's more room to process and the speed of the game slows down and they'll be a little bit more comfortable earlier on in their career, I think. That's a good point. And I've never really thought of it that way because I've been so used to playing you know, sports all my life and in racket sports. Now, when you're working with them, the beginners on intention, do you typically, you know, start off with them near the kitchen line, maybe doing some dinking? Is that where you'd kind of focus first? I I, I originally did start a lot of my beginner stuff at the kitchen just because I had this whole idea that if they didn't start there, they'd never kind of get there on their own, you know, and I really wanted them to get comfortable up there. 
But then, you know, after about a year or so of what I've been doing and working with a lot of new beginners, and you made a quick comment or you said you had been playing sports your whole life. And one thing I forgot to add earlier was a lot of these people that are coming into pickleball never even played sports. And that to me is just super cool. First off, that people that never got to compete and play sports are now doing something that they can and they can do over time and get better at, which is super cool for people that didn't get to experience what you and I got to experience when we were younger and throughout our whole lives. But with those people, I learned real quick that, yeah, I can show them how to dink with intention and stay up here and move around. But then when I say, okay, let's go play points and kind of like phone in the serve and return, they're struggling and they're never getting to the line. So to be honest, I don't think that either one is more important than the other. And I just kind of go by feel. And so sometimes I start at the net and sometimes I start at the baseline, but it kind of depends on the athletic ability of the student, to be honest. And so for those people who haven't played a sport before, what's the most challenging thing for them? Oh my gosh. I think the most challenging thing for people that haven't played a sport before that are trying to learn pickleball is being okay with messing up in the beginning because the most challenging thing psychologically for for these people is they have almost, they have only so much free time, right? Whether they're retired or not, they only have so much free time. They want to commit to something that's new. And if a person that is older or not an athlete tries something for the first time and they don't seem to do well, it's very easy for them to dismiss it and say, well, I don't want to do this because I don't want to waste my time not being good at something because the older we get, the less time we think we have and we want to be good at everything quickly. And so we only do what we're good at. So I think, I know it's kind of not what you expected, but the most challenging thing is getting them to just be okay with messing up in the beginning and going through that pain of messing up a little bit because the other side is just so awesome. And it's not that long of a road from messing up to getting it right. I love that philosophy. And, you know, like you had said to me earlier, you, you're, you think about every part of this game and I really do appreciate your uh, perspective. Yeah. And so on the, on the mechanical side though, I think as far as, you know, a little bit more of a simpler answer, the number one thing I think is just hand-eye coordination and timing, you know, speed of the game, hand-eye coordination and timing. So if I can get them to just slow down and get a little bit comfortable with the speed of the game, the hand-eye coordination gets easier and the timing gets easier. But what's really interesting about beginners is, is they're learning something new. There's four of them on a court and they're very close to each other. Yet all they do is hit the ball hard, which means the ball is fast. And so then I ask them, why would you want something you're trying to learn be very fast? Think about the first time you drove a car and you had the test driver there with you. Would you just hit the gas and try to maneuver that car going 60? Or were you creeping down the parking lot in the cones going five miles an hour? And they're like, oh, yeah, that makes a good point. Maybe I should just be a little bit slower till I get comfortable. So that's kind of one of the fun things I do with the beginners, too, is explain the relationships between things in their lives that make sense and then try to attribute that to pickleball. And then the analogies kind of make sense. And then they adjust. I think after this podcast, you're going to have a lot of new students. So (laughs) tell me tell me a little bit about, you know, are you teaching all over the Metroplex now or you focused at one club or where are you? Um, yeah, so so I recently took a position at a, at a at a country club called Brookhaven Country Club in the Farmers Branch area, which is basically North Dallas, just a little bit a uh, few miles outside of Addison and Dallas. It's very close to the Tollway at six thirty five. That I took the position at Brookhaven because they're committed to pickleball. They have eight courts, and we have four more that should be done in a few weeks. 
So I do, I would say 70% plus of my teaching there. I still have some students outside of the club that I teach that have courts at their houses and friends of theirs. So I still do some teaching outside of the club when it fits the schedule. And I, and I love teaching whoever I can, but you don't have to be a member to take a lesson at the club either. You can still take lessons if you're not a member, but I do most of my teaching there. And then I do stuff around the country when I can, I've partnered with a couple of different people, you know, as far as education goes, I think the more the merrier and the best coaches I've ever known have learned from other coaches. And so I spent some time with Steve Dawson. I spent some time with Mark Renison. I spent some time with some other coaches just trying to like learn all these different like theories or schools of thought. And so I, I'd love to teach around the country more with other people because I learn as much as my students do when I go out and I, and I, and I work with other, with other instructors. You mentioned Brookhaven Country Club. Actually, I, I played tennis there a number of times. I did spend a couple of years actually playing nice. te- tennis and I'm familiar with that. And did I happen to see, was it on your Facebook page probably? Did I see that you have taught uh, the voice of the Cowboys, Brad Cham? I have. I've, I've been pretty lucky to teach a couple of uh, notable people in the country. Brad Sham is a continuing student of mine. He's, he's our way right now at Oxnard with the Dallas Cowboys training camp, but he took a lesson right before he left. And then he messaged me the other day and was saying something about where I messaged him. And I was like, I might have to come out there and watch some camp. And he's like, we could take a lesson out here. So he loves pickleball. He's, he's really into it. He wants to do it more. I also got to give Megan Kelly a lesson. She had been in Dallas for something, an event, and she wanted to take a lesson. So giving Megan Kelly and her family a lesson was really cool. She's, she's real tough on the, uh, the TV for sure, but she did not want to get up to the kitchen line. I had to get her up to that kitchen line. She's like, I think I like it better at the baseline. And I was like, no, you got to get up there. And you know, she's a lawyer. So she had said something about not wanting to get to the kitchen line. And I said, why not? And she goes, well, this and this and this. And I go, that's a pretty weak argument. And her husband just laughed out loud. Hilarious. Because he was like, oh, he, probably, he told the lawyer she had a bad argument. It was so funny. And then John Isner got to play this week. We got to show him a couple of things a couple of times. And then Jordan Spieth and a couple of other pro golfers have, have played with us. So it's, it's really cool to show some of those higher level athletes and people around the sport. And then not only that, but you can get on Facebook and you can see all of these uh, celebrities getting into the sport. I think it's so cool. It's so good for them. It is. And one thing I've got to ask, because, you know, I left Texas in 2018. I had never heard of pickleball. It wasn't until I moved to Connecticut and I was looking at the local rec center and they had pickleball that I had ever heard of the game. Why has it been so slow to kind of take hold in, in North Texas? That is a really, really, really good question. I am still trying to understand how DFW, Dallas, this big part of the country is so behind on something that's so cool. And I, all I can figure, to be honest, is the cost of land here right now is not conducive to new projects and capital and finance and big business and the private sector runs things here. So that means it will change because the private money is coming into pickleball more than it used to. But we're a little bit behind on our parks and rec side here in in, in Texas. I don't think that the Texas parks and rec, as good as it is, don't get me wrong, I, I, I was a big time fisherman and I like a lot of things that the Texas parks and wildlife do, but parks and rec They've been kind of behind the eight ball. And like, just for an example, you can go to, to Colorado Springs where they had that regional I just played in and they have two city parks with 12 courts each in these small towns in Colorado. I mean, this is Colorado Springs, you know, and then you go to Dallas and we have four outdoor courts for the whole city of Dallas. 
and they're not even kept up as nice as they could be. So we need that parks and recs to get, to get, to get going because it's just, it's just too, it's too simple to, to, to see how beneficial this sport is for a community and the culture around it. So Austin's starting to get there. Austin's starting to get there, I think. And I think a lot of those pros that are moving down there is really going to help. And uh, there's a great, a great guy named Steve Kuhn that's doing a lot of good stuff down there as among others, but Austin's a little bit more progressive as well. And so Dallas is a little bit more old school and it's, it's getting there, but you're correct. You wouldn't have heard much in 18. I can, I can attest to that when we were playing in 2018, we were like getting the, the the keys to a gym rec center and like waiting till they were closed or we were like taping a high school tennis court. You know, we didn't have a lot of options. <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny because I mean, the population of Connecticut is probably equal to the number of people in the, in the Metroplex. And right. here it's like I can drive 15 minutes one way, six dedicated courts, 20 minutes there, eight dedicated courts. And they're just they're everywhere here. Yeah, it's pretty tough. You know, Highland Park and the Park Cities, I'm doing a clinic tomorrow morning for the city. They called me on Monday and they said, we want to do a clinic on Saturday. And I go, do you think it'll, we'll get enough? Is it too short a notice? He said, well, an hour after asking people if they wanted to come, I had 40 people signed up in an hour. And so I met with the, the superintendent of Parks and Rec for just University Park. And they're going to turn two tennis courts into six permanent pickleball courts in the fall, hopefully. And that's going to be the first six court facility in a small suburb of the Dallas area. And I hope that it sets the tone. If it can set the tone, I think we'll see some things happen fast. So hopefully we'll see. All right. Well then let's finish up today. I always do like to ask the pickleball pros, which paddle do you use and why? Okay. So I am pro Kinex all the way. The pro Kinex ovations and the flights have always been my favorite paddle. Steve Dawson is a mad scientist. His paddle is thin, but you can feel the ball and it's got plenty of power. It's light and it moves to the air like a knife. And some people will tell you that it does dissipate some of the reverb that your arm would get. And so there's a little bit less of the tennis elbow-ish issues that some people have besides just having a grip issue or an overgrip issue or tight, too tight of a grip issue, I think that the paddle does dampen some of the impact on the, sh- on the arm. So that's a benefit from the physical side, but I just love the way the paddle feels and the way it moves. And it's just a confidence thing. All right, then I just want to thank you so much, Ben, for being on just a lot of great information and, you know, from an instructional aspect and then just, what pickleball's done for you and what's going on in Dallas. Just thank you so much. Thank you so much, Lynn. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Pickleball Fire podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes.